Yeah. I wanna be a billionaire. Uh, I ain't getting no sleep nah. till I see a million every week. Yeah. I wanna be a billionaire. Uh, I ain't getting no sleep nah. till I see a billy every week. Uh, I wanna be a billionaire. Billionaire. I wanna be a billionaire. Ladies and gentlemen, how you doing? Welcome to another episode of Sleep is for Billionaires, the podcast. I am your host, Johnny Vegas. Now today, ladies and gentlemen, you're in for a treat, so take some notes. I got a very, very, very special guest on my show today. This woman is a female phenom, okay? She's the owner of Spin Gym. She's a TV host, actress. She has over a billion in sales. Oh my God. I mean, let me hold something. Come on, <laughs> ladies come on, and gentlemen. Forbes Riley, how you doing today, Queen? I will tell you, actually, it is our day. It is Women's Day if you're watching this live. Mm-hmm. I love that Queen thing. <clears throat> you know, for the longest time, I wanted to be a princess. And now mm. I realize you hit a certain age and a certain success level, you get to be queen. And I'm actually queen of the pitch. Mm. And for everybody watching, what that means is how you enroll people. For example, you enrolled me to be on your show today. How did you do that? <clears throat> how did you ask me what made me want to say yes? When you get yeses in your life, in your business, everything becomes better. So my day started out teaching people all around the world. I've got clients from literally live in Russia to live in the Amazon rainforest down in Peru. Uh, We've got students and clients and friends and people uplifting each other. And I'm a little bit on fire about that. You should be. You should be. I mean, you work very hard to get where you're at. I mean, you know, I've seen the journey and um, I love it, man. I, and I applaud you for that, you know, and a happy in, uh, International Women's Day to you as well, you know. And um, and also it's uh, it's Women's History Month as well. You know, they, I think they gave uh, you guys your own month now. So congrats on that. That's a long overdue. Long no, wait overdue. a second. How is it that we get one month and you guys get 11? Now that might not be. <laughs> You know, it's, it's an interesting time in our society where every group seems to be waking up. Mm. Um, you know, it's funny. My man turned to me last night and I found myself saying something I'd never said before. He was talking about the, the shift in, in noticeabilities and some of the outrageousness. Like, can we not say brownies? Can we not say certain foods? Are we not, you know, Dr. Seuss is not being able to be seen. And he thought, I said, that's ridiculous. I said, you know, Turn this around for a second. I said, baby, can you imagine that you and I, he's very strong and fit. I said, can you imagine that we are a couple, we're in love and somebody gets the right to beat you or rape your woman and that's okay in that society. And Mm. I can imagine that there was a whole group of people at some point in life who said, how can this be possible? Don't people Mm. see how wrong this is? Mm. So I think we're seeing a, a sway in the pendulum you know, you know, is Santa Claus okay being white? I don't know. I really don't know anymore. But mm-hmm. I do know that every group, and I'm being a woman, a minority that is starting to be heard. And I think it must suck if you're a white man right now. You're like, what? What did I do wrong? I was just living my life. Right. And so I, I understand that it might seem confusing to a lot of people. And I was mm-hmm. listening to a lot of women today. Uh, you know what a lot of people don't realize? That a lot of women have been molested and hurt as kids. Right. Men have, men have two little boys have two, but I, until I started doing the work that I'm doing, I certainly had my, the boundaries pushed mm-hmm. to some very, very uncomfortable positions, uh, not to the point of rape, but it doesn't diminish what happened to me and how it scarred me. And then I've listened to a lot of stories of young girls. Uh, mm-hmm. one today, can you imagine that you have a beautiful mother and father, but your grandfather is molesting you for years 
and you don't want to hurt your family so you don't say anything. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard this? I never heard these stories. I don't think any of us have heard these stories that 90,000 little boys who went to uh, the Boy Scouts were mm-hmm. touched, molested, whatever, outside the 90,000? That's crazy. That's and a that's lot. We have to seriously start waking up and talking. And I think that's the joy of Clubhouse, of podcasts like yours, uh, of just platforms where I don't think the voices have been heard. And I'm mm-hmm. excited to be part of this new wave of waking up. No, I agree 100%. Me too, man. I, I, I find it very, very sad that, you know, the young boys and girls had to go through that. You know, and I heard those stories never by a first person, but always something on TV I watch where, you know, you see movies about kids getting molested by uh, priests in their, in their Catholic schools and stuff like that. And, and it's sad and it sucks. And you don't know what that can do to somebody mentally in the future. You know? so oh, well, here's the thing. My friend, up. I do know, but see, I do know what it does to you because I work with a lot of these people. I have a training program called Breakthrough with Forbes that I've been doing for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what, it makes you feel less than. It's the people that you meet in life and you go, why aren't they doing more of their life? Why are they going down that road? Why don't they see their own light? because somebody diminished it a long time ago and you don't know it because you don't wear it like a badge. You don't say this happened to me, but you are in fact the sum of the obstacles you overcome. And there is no place to go. I, I, don't, I don't understand therapy at all. I've gone two or three times. I left infuriated that someone sat there behind a desk and said, well, how do you feel about that? Well, how do you feel about that? And here's some pills. And that's exactly what happened. And now, then I charge you, you, and charged you for it. Oh, charge you a lot for it and charge your insurance company for it. My insurance company paid it. Mm. I can't get my insurance company to pay for a broken leg, but they paid for that. Mm. So systems don't work. We have been lied to as people, as a society forever. And then you have to go, wow, well, if you've always been lied to, how do you find your own truth? I didn't believe that I was pretty for a very long time. In fact, I had a broken nose and braces and I I was in fact kind of odd looking for a long time. And, And the worst part was, I'm looking at magazines that have been altered. So the girls are taller and thinner and their skin is perfect. But I didn't know. No one told me they weren't that in real life. I just thought that I wasn't good enough. Mm. Well, wow. If you say that to yourself long enough and loud enough, you start to believe it. And look what happens to a society of people who don't believe they're worth anything. And, um, and I think we're uncovering a lot of that. And there's a lot of people who've gone before us who thought they were not worth it, so they killed themselves. I mean, get real about 22 soldiers a day, mm. 22 people who gave their life for our country come home and are so displaced that they're sad enough to take their own lives. Amen. You know, I, I do think that some of these things need to be talked about in bigger ways than they are. I know as a society, we, we shine the spotlight on certain things at certain times, Um but there's a lot of things that never get uncovered. And, and it's, it's interesting hearing the voices. And now that you hear Clubhouse, you know, there's a moment, I think it's when Jim Carrey is in that movie, Oh God. Yeah. Or the, yeah, with him and- The uh, Bruce Almighty. Yes. And he starts to hear all the prayers of everybody. Well, turn on Clubhouse. Because that starts to be what happened. I'm hearing voices from all around the world of people who are desperate to talk and connect. And it's like, wow. Those voices have never been heard before. And so maybe the world is really shifting. I'm excited where we are right now today, that this is a very different time in history and it's a powerful place to be. Yeah, I definitely feel like 2021 is the year. I mean, the year of the entrepreneurs, you know, 
moving up at a rapid pace, you know, new businesses starting up, more voices being heard, especially with applications like Clubhouse, giving people who haven't had a voice a voice. And going back to what you were saying about, um, you know, people projecting this image of beauty that can make someone feel, you know, less than, even though it's, it, it's just an image and it may be a fake image because they may not look like that in real life, you know, I'm just trying to find a good question for that because I feel like girls, young girls are holding that to the standard of what beauty is. And if, if they don't look like that, you know, they go to depression or suicide and stuff like that. How do you think we can, I guess, create awareness to let young girls know that this is just an image. It's just what it is. It's not the standard or is it, you know, because I'm trying to think, like, how can we even, uh, you know, do that? How can we spread that message of awareness to these young girls that this is just an image and it's not who you need to be? Because when you see the likes on these pictures, like, for example, with a Kim K picture, right? She has a picture, half naked, big booty, all that. And she got like a million and a half likes. So that right there will tell a young girl that gets two likes or three likes on her picture that, oh, damn, I got to look like that. You know what I'm saying? Because the numbers don't lie. So how do we bring that awareness that, you know, they shouldn't really pay attention to that stuff? Well, one of the ways that we bring awareness is by bringing awareness. We have now platforms where we get to go live, where we are actually having voices out there. My concern, though, is are we actually getting to the younger generation? You know, it's very refreshing right now to be able to talk to women uh, about levels of honesty. And I'm appreciating platforms like Clubhouse and this. Uh, my concern is how do you get to even younger kids to be taught that you don't need to keep secrets about somebody hurting you? Uh, we're in a crazy time right now where kids are not going to school. Well, if you're not going to school, who are you stuck home with? Somebody who is hurting you, somebody who's not feeding you. And so I just not think, educating you, right? Not educating you, not really allowing you to be. So part of it is just raising the level of consciousness. And I know that we're doing that. I feel it everywhere. I mean, I felt this morning when I jumped on a call and there were hundreds of women for International Women's Day just talking and sharing and calling each other queen and loving on each other and hearing each other's voices for the first time. You know, I speak around the world. Uh, I just had a chance to speak at an amazing stage with Deepak Chopra, uh, Damon John from Shark Tank and Les Brown and Jack Canfield. I was a woman in the middle. I'll tell you what, how did I get there? I wanted to, to show people that nobody is really born with a silver spoon. You, they may have more money. They may be thinner. They may be, it doesn't much matter. We've all been through stuff. And I'll tell you that the people that I admire have carved their own path. Have, and then you want to listen to how they did it. I'm one of those people, all the success that I've you know, enjoyed, I built. And there was a decade or two of just suffering. Let me tell you, some of this has not been easy. It looks so nice looking in the rear view mirror going, yeah, that was no big deal. No, when I was on the floor of US Customs for a week as they were gonna throw out 22,000 spin gyms that I'd invested over $150,000. If what I was doing didn't work, I would have been done at that moment. When you're back against mm -hmm. the wall and you find out who you are and what you're made out of, I will tell you, mm -hmm. life happens for you, not to you. A lot of the bad things that happen are where you define who you are as a person, what you're willing to tolerate and how far you're willing to go. I'm going to tell you this entrepreneur thing. You do not snap your fingers and it happens. And if someone's telling you that they are lying. And so I right. love being one of the voices of reason. I've made it. I've done really well. I'll tell you what I just turned. I'm turning 61, 61 in a month. Yeah, right. Don't lie. Don't, don't lie to me. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's, what my, you know, that's what my driver's license says. I don't believe it either. <laughs> my, my man is 17 years younger than me. Have you seen Joshua? I, I, oh. I see. I see the pictures of you and him. Congrats. Yeah, you know what? 
Yeah, he's pretty good looking. He's pretty wonderful, but he's also nicer on the inside because I waited and worked for somebody that I want. You know, it's so funny. Let me just close my door here because I think my whole family, my whole house can hear me. All right, no doubt. <laughs> you know, we had a moment. We had a moment this last night. I got to tell you. So mm-hmm. two things. One, don't get so envious of anybody because January 2nd of last year, he was in a horrific motorcycle accident, ended up in the mm-hmm. hospital, in surgery, spent six months in a wheelchair. So that beautiful man, I know what it's like to watch him just cry and, and really hurt for a long time. He's still limping. Mm-hmm. But he was holding me last night and we were just doing that little kissy face thing. And we've been together for four years. And he said Congrats. to me, he said, do you think that most couples are doing this? And I said, no. I said, you've been a couple before me. I've been a couple before you. No, no, we both decided to lean in to see how far into each other we could get how much in love we could be, how snug. Because I said to him at one point, I said, you know, after the honeymoon period is over. And he said, I don't, what if the honeymoon period's not over? What if we, every day we wake up and we keep reuniting and we keep digging in and saying how much we love each other and how much we both want this to work so well. And I'm enjoying a, a, a conversation that I never had before, but you know what? I helped create the conversation. It's yeah, what I wanted. I don't, I've been in bed with somebody who rolled over and you know, so my mom said, you're never as lonely as you are when you're alone, when you're with someone. Right. Wow. That is the worst feeling in the world. Because what are your recommendations? So what are your recommendations to kind of stay in the honeymoon phase, quote unquote, you know, because even with my relationship, you know, I've been in a relationship with my woman for five years. You know, we have our ups and downs, you know what I'm saying? You know, when the honeymoon phase is over, right, and things get real. So, you know, but at the same time, you know, we both give our collaborative efforts to keep the spice in our life, to, you know, keep things exciting, keep engaging with one another and make sure the communication is strong. So with that being said, in your relationship, you know, <coughs> excuse me, what's your suggestions to kind of, I guess, keep the honeymoon phase going, you know, with, with each and other, one, you know, because like, we understand things get real, you know, we both got to pay bills, we both got to do this, that, both got to work. Oh, I get, I get the down part of that. And by the way, there's been some yelling and screaming. This is not Shangri-La over here, but we'll say <laughs> a couple of things. Number one, physically, work to stay at your best. Mm. You don't get to let it go. When you don't love on yourself physically, Mm. how do you expect your partner to love on you? And so I will tell you, if you, you need to work out a little bit. Yeah, you do. Do you need to spin gym a little bit? Yeah, you do. Do you want to look, you want to look and feel your best. I look at most couples, forget couples as people. And I'm like, you don't like love yourself either. Do you? Now, so that's one thing is to stay attractive to your partner. Mm. Number two, how do you go to bed at night and how do you wake up in the morning? Is it a ritual? You know, we all hear about this morning ritual about I have to get up and I have to meditate and I have to do yoga. You know what sometimes I do? I get up and I roll over and I kiss that man until I can't kiss him anymore. Mm. We have a rule and he gets mad at me because I like look at my phone immediately. He's like, Mm-mm, you're kissing on me first. We make those rules. That's my value. I want you to kiss me before you look at that phone. You take the phone out of the room at night and it's challenging. I get it. But you have to ask yourself, what's important to me? Do I enjoy being in love? And what does it mean to be in love? When you get to bed in, so let me ask you a question. When you get to bed at night, what do you tend to do? You both go to bed at the same time? Uh, for, the, for the most part, yeah. For the most part, we lay together, you know, cuddle yeah. each other to sleep. 
And okay. then uh, wake up in the morning, you know, and then do it again the same evening. You know, she always tells me to, uh, you know, she has a hard time sleeping without me, right? You know, like, I guess I'm like her nightlight or whatever, you know, that little cute stuff or whatever. So, yeah, so every time she says, babe, I'm ready to go to bed, she kind of like drags me with her. Even if I'm on the couch, she like wakes me up to go in the bed with her. So majority of the time, we're cuddling to sleep together. There you go. That's what you do need. At some point in my in other relationships, I remember the moment where I lost that, where that mm. wasn't what we did anymore. And that is truly the beginning of the end of that relationship. Uh, mm. You got to want to cuddle up with that person. You got to want to take time off. And I'll tell you, I'm very popular right now. I'm working very hard. I have hundreds of students. I taught a class for four hours this morning. I'm teaching a new class tonight for five, four hours. Uh, just onboarded hundreds of students. I'm still teaching a lot of this live. And he's a little like, at what point, you know, where am I? Uh, be mm-hmm. jealous of your person's time. Let them know that, you know, I'm missing you. It's an Make a date night. Um, do something silly. Whatever it takes to remind yourself if that's what you want. If you mm-hmm. want to be in love, if you like that feeling, then work at it. And, you know, we run off to a spa that we both love and we hang out in the hot tub and we just do nothing. <laughs> the other thing, too, is I also look at him and he'll tell me things. And we, and we keep doing this. He said to me the other day. You know, the, what do you want? He hears me talk about it all the time. And he wanted a certain kind of woman who was ambitious and, and fun and blah, blah, blah. And he also said, I really want somebody who's my best friend. Want to hear something funny? We don't have a lot of friends, really good friends outside of the two of us. We have a lot of people that we know. But I got to say, at the end of the day, in fact, he's the one that I would choose over anybody to just hang with. And, and it's nice. And I've never felt quite, and I don't know if I ever made the decision before. Because by the way, my kids are now 18. His daughter is almost turning 17. It is not about, there's no distractions anymore. Because when you had to take care of babies, there was always a reason to have them around. I get that. We don't even have pets at the moment. It is just him and I. And I'm like, you know, let's lean into this for as long as this continues every day. Renew it and just be gushy and fun and outlive all the stereotypes because they said it would never last. Right, right, right. Same here, man. Yeah, you know, actually, unfortunately, our both our dogs died. So now it's just me and her together. And uh, yeah, man, we're, we're cherishing the moments we have together, try to be a good company for one another. So that's, so we're definitely practicing what we preach in that department. See, look, you got that little grin on your face. I love that. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's my baby, man. She hold me down, (laughs) you know, but, um, so, so I had a question for you. So being that you're a workaholic, you got all these classes, all these students, I mean, what do you do to unwind? I mean, I know you mentioned a little bit that you spend a lot of time with your man, but what's the unwinding phase looking like? You know, it's funny. I've got two beautiful kids. I go roller skating. Uh, I don't uh, Honestly, at this moment, I am really not unwinding. At the okay. moment, it is uh, a little bit like my product. You're a little bit wound up. All mm. of a sudden, there's something to be said about striking while the iron's hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, for six months of last year, I didn't do anything. Joshua and I laid in bed while he was recovering, and it was really brutal. Uh, mm. I love getting massages. I love, I have a little health spa, whatever coast I'm on. In fact, we went to Costa Rica and found a place that's got 23 hot tubs up a mountain into a volcano. Right. And I just love that. Mm. Uh, but since Clubhouse happened, yeah. I got to tell you, I'm not really unwinding. It's, there's a time and a reason and a season. And I'm enjoying this because I have taken lots of time off. And now I'm kind of sprinting. I think it's not a marathon. Mm. So uh, I love romantic dinners. I love, I'm a hot tub girl. I just like to physically that. And we live down here in St. Pete. So it's always beautiful. Go to the beach, go for a run. Um, yeah, I lived in Tampa movies. for 10 years. I know St. Pete well. I lived yeah? in Tampa in uh, Hillsborough County. Yeah, I'm um, waters. Where, and, where do you live now? 
I live in LA. I'm in Los Angeles. All right. Well, I did LA for 25 years. What part of LA are you in? I'm currently in Chatsworth near, near the Northridge. Yeah, that's right near the earthquake. I was there in 1994, baby. And I remember that night, that morning, 4.30 a.m., being woken up by one of the worst earthquakes I've ever experienced. Oh, my God. Well, thank God you survived that. I, I watched it on TV. I, I, whew, I couldn't even imagine going through something like that. Well, but you can't imagine that. But here's another thing you can't imagine. You know that I'm the eyewitness for the Las Vegas shooting, October 1st? Actually, I, I am aware of that. I saw the news clip. I'm sorry you had to go through that, man. You were, like, in, in the crowd while they were shooting? No, I was actually upstairs. I had just left Grant Cardone and Kevin Harrington. We had a party, private dinner. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was falling in love with Joshua. They invited mm-hmm. me to go down and play some poker. And I said, I'm going to go out to this balcony right here at the top of Mandalay Bay and take a picture in front of the this, this strip. Mm-hmm. And about a minute and a half after we walked out there with our phones, pop, 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 pop. And we were all looking for where the fireworks were. And it didn't mm-hmm. dawn on us for a little bit later to look down into our left as the guy there was shooting people at the concert on our right. And everything uh, that you see that's filmed, if you go to YouTube, you can see my video. Mm-hmm. Uh, we filmed it live as it was happening. Uh, uh, and then we were locked down in the foundation room for about 11 and a half hours as all the news unfolded and all the crap went down. And uh, there was a little bit moment of terror when somebody burst into our room with a machine gun. But mm-hmm. uh, I will tell you, I, I was just reading an article yesterday about a woman who was down there and watched it. I had an interesting perspective and it still had a massive effect of PTSD on me. I still don't hear fireworks the same way. I still get a little upset. I was there. I I witnessed it all. Mm -hmm. Uh, But not like the people I know who witnessed parts of people's bodies being blown off. And I actually looked in the eyes of these two girls because I went to a lot of the functions. I stayed for a couple of weeks after, did a lot of press releases, news, um, and a little bit of help in the hospital. Mm -hmm. And um, it was the weirdest thing to see. There were these two girls at an event I was at and it was like someone had taken the light out of their eyes. Mm. I looked at them, but they didn't look like they were there and they had seen too much for a young girl to see. And I don't know where they are. I didn't follow up to see if how they're doing now, but it was a very um, odd moment to be a part of that. It makes me want to live life a little bit fuller. It makes me want to give back. Um, And then I think if you're eyewitness to that, as I have been in a couple of things, then you go, wow, maybe it's God choosing you to, to have a voice and talk about what you've seen, how you've gotten through it. And that's where I feel I am at the moment. I feel like I've been chosen. I've been through a lot. Yeah. And, and by the way, we're all chosen. Whatever it is that we've experienced, if you have the courage, and I teach this, I teach how to pitch, how to speak, how to tell your story, because this is a time where your story can affect a lot of other people if you know how to communicate it. Gotcha, gotcha. No, no, no. I, yeah, I truly believe that, that all the experiences that we we undergo, you know, we can use that as motivation to fuel our, our mission, right? And then use that to inspire others, you know, which is my whole mission behind this podcast is to inspire those that look up to me and want to do great things like I do and that had, haven't had the opportunity to do so or just, just scared, you know what I'm saying? And I'm just trying to show them that, you know, if you just push through and Honestly, don't give a fuck about what nobody else is saying. You can do what you want. You know what I'm saying? I'm from New York, so I got I come from. Yo, I'm you know, from New York too. Where are you from? I'm from the, I'm from the South Bronx, one six one. I'm from South North. Long Island. All right, come on. I'm a there we go. There we go. <laughs> yeah, I was literally right right across the street from Yankee Stadium. There you go. Yeah, I was I was there. Then I went to uh, Patterson, New Jersey, to high school where they filmed "Lean on Me" with Morgan Freeman. Yep. I went to that high school for about three years. 
Then from there, I went to Tampa, Florida, stood there for about 12 years, and now I've been in L.A. for about four years. And I came here chasing the, uh, you know, the entertainment dream, you know, acting, music, stuff like that. But during the pandemic, I had to kind of diversify my attention because prior to that, I was doing nothing but sales, sales, telemarketing companies, you know, magazines. Let me ask you a question. As the pitch queen over here, what makes you a very good salesperson? I put the customer's needs first. And honestly, I feel like not too many successful salesmen do that. You know, they're always thinking about that next dollar. They always, and you can tell that type of attitude kind of, it projects in their actions and how they try to uh, push people to go make a decision right then and there where you're not really listening. You're not practicing that 80-20 rule, which is listen 80% of the time, speak 20% of the time. And I like to practice that to give the best customer service I can be because that's not only going to lead to a sale, but it's going to lead to future business. And that's what I'm all about. Now, how did you come to this incredible attitude? Honestly, man, just years of experience, you know, because I once was that salesman that just wanted the money, just wanted the next buck. And that was because of my situation, you know, you know, rent coming up. I don't got all the money. Oh, I'm desperate. I'm, I'm smiling and dialing until I get the sale. You know, but at the same time, you know, as I grew and I got a little bit more comfortable with my situation and I got a chance to, um, it was really my last job with, as a admissions representative where I worked for a college and um, you had to interview these students. And I'm talking from minimum an hour and a half to three hours on the phone with one person walking them through a slideshow to better their career, right? At the same time, interviewing them on how to get accepted into the school. So that tactic kind of trained, helped me train to listen more, you understand, and kind of really take their desires, interests, and motivation to succeed and use that as motivation to get them to further their education. So doing that process. What's your, what's your first memory in life? Memory in life? Yeah. My first memory in life, I would say, you know, it's, oh man, honestly, the day my father, my real father left my mother. Like we were just, I remember being in the living room and we was just kind of chilling and um, they had a little, you know, argument. I don't remember what they were saying, but I know he just walked out and closed the door. And then next thing I know, it was just, uh, you know, uh, birthday cards and phone calls from him. You know what I'm saying? Let me ask you a question. What does, how old were you at that point? I want to say like, maybe like three or four, maybe. What decision do you think, just pretend that you might know, what decision did that little boy make about life at that moment, do you think? At that point, I mean, I just, the, the, what I could remember the most was being there for my mother as much as I could. Give me, give me a decision. What decision did you make about life? Because I'm going to show you something really interesting. I know you're a little boy, but think about it. Dad walks out and then you kind of figure out. My decision was about not to leave my family behind. Got it. I think the decision was that you vowed to not let anyone else dictate who and what you could be. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because I see that, how that played out in your life. Mm -hmm. And kind of interesting how a moment which people could, you could have decided something different. You could have Mm -hmm. decided, screw it, I hate people. And you could have been very angry, but I don't think you did. I think you Mm -hmm. made a decision that says, I'm going to be here for my mom, my family. And look Mm -hmm. how it turned out. You had a very loving wife. Mm-hmm. I have this philosophy that I teach about how when you program your hard drive, it happens about at age four mm-hmm. and it's not the thing that happened, but it's your, it's how you decided to react to it. So for mm-hmm. example, I had two, two clients, 
They both fell out of a tree when they were four years old, right? One broke his leg, group of strangers take him to the hospital. He becomes a pastor because his decision was people are always there to help you. The other one falls out, his family's not there. His decision is screw mom and dad, no one's ever there when you need them and you can't trust people. Mm. He's in jail. Wow. Same thing happened to them, different decision. So mm. interesting, if you look at how your life, you're kind of destined to be the guy who figures it out mm-hmm. and make sure that mom's good, your wife is good. You just, you take care of people. Right, right. Well, no, thank you for identifying that. You know, I didn't even put two and two, that, two, and two together because, you know, when you're going through it, you're not really on the outside looking in. You're just living it, right? And it wasn't until I got older that I started taking bird's eye view of the situation and kind of analyzing how things, why things played out the way they did, so... Well, the reason I asked is that you are, you have a success mentality and I don't hear that a lot. Mm. See, because one of the things that happens, the reason that you remember that moment is that when emotions are heightened, Mm. that's when the emotion, that's when your neurons fire. And those are the memories that you remember. You don't Mm. remember what you had for dinner four Thursdays ago, but you remember a memory 35 years ago, right? How did that Mm. happen? Well, because there was a pretty heightened emotion. Usually it's a negative emotion. Mm-hmm. Because we only get so happy over a birthday present or a Christmas right. present. Yeah, that's so nice, right? You don't really, but when something really bad happens, we mark that and we hang on to it. Mm-hmm. So it may be bad, but what decision did you make? A lot of my young girls make a decision if they hear mom and dad yelling and screaming, oh, I should be seen and not heard. And their mm-hmm. entire life, they're seen but not heard. Or I don't trust men. because, And those are not good decisions because it's a four-year-old making the decision. Mm-hmm. Right. You can rewire some of that. So if your decision is not serving you, one of the things that you need to know are people listening to this is that if your life is not serving you at the moment, if you're like, I, I can't, I just, can I be more like Kim? Why can't I think it's because you don't have the same hard drive mm-hmm. you have the same operating system. And you know, if there's one little piece of code in your hard drive, mm-hmm. one little piece of, or a virus, the whole thing doesn't work right. Right. But I will tell you because the brain, if none of it's happening now, it's all neurons and all little things firing. You can actually go in. And what mm-hmm. I like to do is called reboot it up. Rewire it. Uh, sorry, you actually recall it. Whatever we recall the memory, we rewire it. Boom, we reboot it. And you can actually make your future different than having it written from your past. So how does one kind of check themselves, right, at that point, you know, where it's like, okay, I, I, need, to, I need to do a reset. I'm all over the place. I'm doing too Find much. Find a coach. Find a coach. You know what? I, let me tell you something. This is what every great athlete has in common. Mm-hmm. They have somebody coaching them. You know Why? And here's what a coach does for you, whether it's me or anyone else. If you're the coffee in the cup, right? What's mm-hmm. the letter on the outside of the cup? You can't see it. Can I'll you? say you can't see it. Yeah, there's no well, much. I can see that it says D because I'm the one looking at it. Because mm-hmm. I, as the outside of your coffee, now not just me, but any coach, I see you differently than you see you. Mm-hmm. And so that's just one of the exercises. That's why Olympic athletes have coaches. You know why? Not for every day. It's the one moment where they're like, I don't want to get out of bed. Bam, get out of bed. I don't want to do one. You want, you tell me you want a gold medal. You lift Mm -hmm. one more time. You run one more race. You do the thing when you don't want to do it, that that's where they'll push it. You don't know why you do this. We'll uncover that. We'll get that through because you never see the things that I I was in business with Serena Williams a long time ago, uh, Mm -hmm. doing a mission cool towels. And she said she had five coaches. I'm like, okay. She had an exercise and a weight coach and this. And then she said she had a tennis coach. And I'm like, Excuse me? Mm-hmm. You're the best tennis player in the world. Why would you have a coach? That's what a, that's what a normal entrepreneur would go. Why do I need? Because she couldn't. She's like, I can't see the game. I don't yeah. know what I'm doing wrong. 
I don't realize that my hand and my elbows dropped. My coach had lifted up again. I'm like, I didn't even know it was dropped. Right. Bam. That's the winning point. That's the winning. So you don't see who you are from the outside in. So if you're on this journey, uh, you got to have some sort of mentor to look up to. Somebody who's been, you can have a lot of mentors. Somebody who's moved down the road before you got there. You want those people. You want to be in a mastermind with people around you who think like you do. I hang out with millionaires and billionaires. I have to tell you something. They don't talk like broke folk. They just don't. They don't say certain words. They don't think certain things. They have very big aspirations and they go and they get them done. How do I know this? This little book here. This is one of three books that I published since three months ago. Okay. What? These are compilation books, right? It's an amazing editor, uh, publisher of mine. We created mm-hmm. a one habit book. I will tell you that in with a 45 minute filling out about one habit that makes you successful or not successful and like mm-hmm. under $400, you get to be in a book with lots of fun celebrities. You get to have a book in your hand. You get to give out a piece of credibility and you become a best-selling author. That's, you know, I, my other two books that took me three years to write. I had the wrong mindset. I had the wrong, oh my gosh, I agonized. Nope. I will tell you, we did one, one habit for entrepreneurial success. This one for post-COVID, we had the idea 18 days later. I had all 100 authors in here and it was published and in our hands. Next one coming up is on Clubhouse. The next one beyond that is one habit for a thriving home office. And the next one is one habit for people who've lost over a hundred pounds. These are important, fun books. I know, right? And we're going to hang out. I'm just changing the way people are. You want your own book? Here's crazy things. Coaching. This, I got these guys to write a book. They loved it so much. They put me on the back. It was very nice of them. I've never had anybody do that before. These two books within the last eight weeks, Mm-hmm. Thought of, talked about, published. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So maybe Broken certain people, right. So if you come into my world, you say you got a dream, you better be careful because we're going to make it come true. I love that. I love that. And that was part of my next question because um, I wanted to see what your advice is specifically for me, right? So you know a little bit about me. I got a little sales background. You know, right now I got a brand. I'm pushing Sleepers for Billionaires, right? Explain, and I want to Okay, take so explain Sleepers for Billionaires. So Sleepers for Billionaires is for the for the wannabe entrepreneur, for the wannabe successful person, and for those who are achieve a, a certain level of success as well. But basically, the person who keeps their eyes on the prize, no matter what they're going through, their eye is always on the ultimate goal. You celebrate the little successes in between, but the ultimate goal is where you're ultimately trying to be. I want to be a billionaire, right? So that's 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 the goal for it. Now, well, now, okay. So I would ask you to rewrite that. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know any billionaires? Huh? Do you know any billionaires? No. Okay. Um, I don't know that that's what you actually want because to be a billionaire, that's a lot of money or Mm -hmm. a big company that helps a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Um, I just always find it kind of an interesting goal. Now I don't mind goals saying I want a hundred thousand dollars a month, passive income. That's cool. Mm -hmm. That's a million dollars a year. You can Mm -hmm. probably live on that and be very nice. Mm -hmm. One of the problems when you shoot for things that aren't quite realistic, Mm -hmm. you're, you, you get disappointed because if you don't get it, you've never won. Are you a millionaire yet? No. All right. So let's set our first side on getting up. My goal right now is my first million in the bank mm. or in real estate. And mm. I would set that as a goal and an intention because mm. it's actionable, measurable, and you can get that. Mm. And if you say that to people, they'll help you. If you say you want to be a billionaire, they look at you like going, okay, whatever. That's just a phrase. Mm-hmm. And I like the shirt. But I want goals and dreams that you can get. 
I want to be on TV with my fitness product. Bam, I'll tell you what it took to get there. I didn't know that in one day, my friend, I would sell 64,000 of them in 24 hours and get a check for $1.2 million. Congratulations. Yeah, let me tell you, that was a pretty crazy day. That was through all the things that I went through. I didn't even, I don't even think I had, I just wanted the product out there. I wish I'd actually been a little bit more specific. I would have grown the company differently. I'll tell you what, my ex wanted to get a scholarship. Now listen to this. He wanted to get a scholarship, a football scholarship to Notre Dame. That mm-hmm. was his goal. Mm-hmm. He didn't even play football in his, in his freshman year. Two years later, first draft pick for offensive lineman out of California. Mm-hmm. That meant he got up every morning at 4.30, rode his bike for a, an hour, lifted weight. He got what he wanted. Okay, now get this. And he was an economics major. What he didn't want was to actually play football. Mm-hmm. So it turns out he's the only guy on the team that didn't go pro. I'm probably the only guy on his team that doesn't have a Super Bowl ring mm-hmm. because it wasn't what he wanted. And so it's funny how his dream took him to get the scholarship. It was like, but then what? It's like, oh, damn, now I actually got to play football in college while I want to get an education. Mm-hmm. So I would align your dream and always massage the dream. Go get it. And then mm-hmm. make, immediately write the next one. You know Why? Because if you write something so big, you never get to celebrate. Mm-hmm. I want to be there and celebrate with you at the first million. Going, I have got that. I've got, however I've got that, bam, we're going to go to party. We're going to, we're going wherever we're going. Then we go, all right, now I want 10 times that. Nice. And so now you are building this dream, but it's a win dream. Or you sit here going, I want to be a billionaire. I only got a hundred million dollars. I'm not even close. Right. And, and, I, and I don't want you to think that I don't celebrate the mini goals in between because I very do. I party hard like the rest of them. You know, and I just have big goals. Right. You know, and when I say that being the ultimate goal, that's just what I ultimately want to acquire by, by multiple streams of income. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, I do celebrate the mini goals in between. You know, I've set goals that are obtainable that I can get to quicker to get me to my ultimate okay, goal. Okay, so this is why I created a thing called OPP. I do a six-week six week training about how mm-hmm. you build your brand like a business. Says, what's your mission? To inspire others. Not a mission. Okay, and I'll tell you why. Mm-hmm. That is a, that's a sentence. That's an action plan. Go mm-hmm. look up mission, mission mm-hmm. statements for major companies and actually read what it says. Starbucks is one of my favorite ones. They want to uh, improve neighborhoods one cup, one something, something at, at a time. The mission statement for you is a statement that lets us really know what you are about. And it should be a little unique to you about how you do it. Yes. So, so with Grant, this, go ahead. Oh, no, I was well, going to say, say Grant was... Cardone's is probably, I want to, you know, affect 10 million lives by owning real estate. Okay. Well, that kind of defines a little bit, maybe. Mm-hmm. What might your mission be? With Sleepers for Billionaires, I just want to educate those um, ce- future celebrities and entrepreneurs on how to become industry professionals. Through Is it the, just, now, hang on a second. There's mm-hmm. a way that you write a mission statement. Mm-hmm. Is it just to educate or are there three words in there? What else do you want to do? You want to educate? You want to maybe educate, empower? Empower, you know, inspire, um, motivate you know, all I will tell you what, when you can actually articulate the mission statement of your business and of you, mm-hmm. you will get to do that in interviews. Mm-hmm. I get to say that, you know, part of my mission is to educate a light and illuminate the path for women and men to become the best version of themselves through mm-hmm. education, through entrepreneurship, 
and through health and fitness. Mm-hmm. All right. You got a sense of who this chick is. And the mm-hmm. more you massage that, the more you put it on your website, the more people go that, Oh, that's what they're about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you look at your vision of the world and your vision, darling is different from other people's vision. Mm-hmm. But when you stand in a place of words that actually describe what you're up to, do you know your top five core values that you can share with everybody in your company? Do you know that you walk into major companies, they have their core values written on the wall. Mm-hmm. That it is not a joke about how you create a culture around who and what you are. That's mm-hmm. specific. Mm-hmm. Why do people follow you versus someone kind of like you? Because you got a different heart, you got a different, you got a different essence. Mm-hmm. And I would just fight for those things. Right, right. No, I I agree. And, and thank you for those words. And I'm glad you kind of shed the light on what I need to analyze within my, my organization to kind of take things to the next level. So thank you for that as well. You know, and I'm always seeking out different, you know, me- mentorship and stuff like that. So hopefully, you know, that's something we could talk about in the near future, you know, because I could definitely use a coach, you know, to kind of uh, help me navigate through this uh, obstacle of life that I'm undergoing at the present moment. Well, what you, what you can't give to somebody is a light like you have. What you mm-hmm. can't, what you don't give to somebody is the desire, the passion, the stubbornness to succeed and the heart. Mm-hmm. I always say, you know, you can, you can't train attitude, but you can train skills. We can get mm-hmm. you your mission and your vision, but what makes you, you, the way you light up with your woman, that says a lot to me. Um, mm-hmm. it, it is, a, it's the generation that I want to help elevate to the next level. People who love on each other, who don't operate out of a sense of lack or fear, but understand the words abundance, understand what it means to manifest, understand what it means to architect a dream. Every Sunday I do a two hour training uh, from five to seven called Pitch Secrets Masterclass. Mm -hmm. And we've gone from 30 people a week to 70 people, always new people coming in. And it's a two hour combination training, a little bit of a webinar to let you know what my world is about. But I ask people what their dreams are. And I hear very small conversations. I hear people who were never even offered the idea that they could dream. So somebody mm. said to me, wow, my dream is just to finish my book. Isn't that funny? See, my dream is to have a New York Times bestseller. Finishing the book is what's called the action plan. Right. People don't understand features versus benefits when they're talking about a product. I said, what's a feature about this? And they say, oh, it's really wonderful. I'm like, not a feature. Features, it's purple. It's purple mm. so that you find it and it's colorful and you want to play with it. Feature is the rings are round. Why? So you have the flexibility to put your hands any way you want. The feature mm-hmm. is that it's small and compact. The benefit is it goes everywhere with you. Mm-hmm. People are not necessarily trained in the verbal articulation mm-hmm. of how to get what they want. Right. Well, that's, that, that's, that was a great lesson, a quick lesson right there. I mean, you taught me something that uh, I should definitely keep applying with my everyday life, not just my business. So thank you for that as well. And um, yeah, man, I mean, well, before, I mean, I, I, don't, I know you're pressed for time. I know we got you for an hour. It's why we got like eight minutes left. So um, tell me, you know, is there anything, um, you know, that people, one, where can the people contact you to acquire your services? And two, is there any little bit of motivation you can give to those who want to do the things you do or want to, or afraid to speak out, or afraid to stand in front of hundreds of thousands of people and speak, you know, what kind of words of encouragement can you give these young entrepreneurs, young men, young women, whoever? Well, I'll tell you what, you know, young people are 10% of our population, but they're hundred percent of our future. So right. one, my name is pretty unique, Forbes Riley, go to ForbesRiley.tv and you'll see a whole list of things that you can get a free gift there. You can come to my trainings. You can do all kinds of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. We are really about uh, 
becoming a little better on the internet. I'm still very much an in-person. I still teach live, by the way, which mm. if you can, I would find a way to come train with me while I'm still looking at you as opposed mm. to 10,000 of you. Right. Uh, I love the small one-on-one -on -one and I can afford to do that because I'm also still acting. I did a movie this year in Kansas City called The Taste of Romance. I got an infomercial coming up next week, my 193rd infomercial for a fitness product. Awesome. Uh, and I still keep my hands and all that. I love, I love that. But you know, it's funny because I wanted something. I wanted to be Julia Roberts and Sandra Bullock, maybe sort of. And I've done lots of movies. I've acted mm -hmm. lots of TV. If you go to YouTube, you can find hours of stuff to watch about me. I helped start the X Games for ESPN. I've had a crazy, wonderful life. I do think, though, that the universe had a different plan and that it wasn't about me. Uh, and I know that because I remember very clearly one night I'd won a huge award. I've won lots of awards. I like winning awards. That was one of the first speeches I ever made was at a podium with an award in my hand. And it got very addictive to be able to talk on stage. But one night I had won a really big award and I was having personal issues and my family wasn't there and I was alone in Las Vegas. Mm. Party was over. I was wearing a very tight designer dress. I don't think I'd eaten in four days. And I <laughs> found myself sitting at a slot machine with my award and nobody else. And I was mm. really unhappy. And I looked around and I thought, what the hell am I doing? I said, I, you know, I just won one of the biggest things in my entire career. I got it. Yay for me. I don't have a job tomorrow because as an infomercial host, you never know where your next job's going to come from. Right. But there was nobody loving on me. And it was at that moment, I had a real kind of come to Jesus moment. You're like, something missing here. And I had to sit there and figure out what was missing. And it was crazy. Like, okay, so you got the money in the bank. You got the great clothes. You got everything that you said you wanted. I don't think you've wanted the right things. And it was a really interesting moment where sometimes you get to be your own coach and I said, I need to reinvent my definition of love. I need to decide that what I want right now is I actually just want somebody to look in my eyes and tell me that I matter to them. Mm -hmm. And I shifted some things. And that happens a lot. I can remember being on my knees in, uh, in, in England before I found this product at a low point in my life. And it's at those moments where you look in and then you look up. It's okay to ask for help and guidance. And it's also okay to say, I've done it all. I gave my all and I'm stuck. What's next? Mm -hmm. And I don't think people realize that on the road of life, if you want high highs, you've got to expect low lows. Mm -hmm. And the universe seems to be watching that how you handle that will either propel you up or propel you out. I have friends who've gone both ways. And I'm just in it for the long haul. I am enjoying the ride. It's been crazy bumpy. Mm -hmm you are the sum of the obstacles you overcome. So if you can step in for a second and go, you know, I didn't come from a great education or a great family. Who cares? The truth is actually only you seem to care where you come from. When I meet you for the first time, I don't know anything about you. And it's a funny thing when you go to meet people like that. Watch how they'll tell you their shortcomings. Mm. I do this every Sunday. You'll watch people going, oh, well, you know, COVID's gotten this and I don't know. Baby, I didn't ask for your law. I don't know you. Mm. You could tell me that you're on a path to discover. You could tell me anything you wanted. The other thing that I find is interesting. I don't know your family either. I don't know oh. if your dad was Tony Robbins or not. Right. And the funny thing is your brain doesn't really always know the truth either. Mm. If you keep saying the same bad stories over and over again, you start to believe them. You right. make them your limiting beliefs and then you act as if that's true. What if you acted as if your mom or dad 
was the best thing in the entire world? What if you acted as if you were the most loved child growing up? What if you acted as if you are incredibly beautiful and wildly talented? What if you acted as if you couldn't fail? Mm. What would you do then? And if you can sit there in a place of what would I do if I couldn't fail? You might get on that stage and talk anyway. You might say hi to that person that intimidates you. You might write that book or swim that ocean or whatever it is. If you knew you couldn't fail. The problem is most people put the limitation right before the expectation and they never get to the good stuff. You know, I think it was someone who said, my biggest fear is not that I aim too high and I don't get it. It's that I aim too low and I do. Mm. That's where most people seem to live. I don't, I've never been like that. I just haven't. And every time I talk like this, I'm reminded, what do I get to do next and bigger? And as last week when I stood on stage and I was the center highlight female speaker between Les Brown, Deepak Chopra, Jack Canfield, and Damon John, and I was, I was me. I was like, dang. All right. Yeah, all right. You got this good. Yeah. I walked out on the 10X stage. I will mm. tell you. Go to, go to YouTube and type in Forbes Riley the word motivation and yeah. watch this 58-year-old strut her little body out in a pair of hot pants mm-hmm. like she owns the stadium of 10,000 people because mm-hmm. I walked out there as if this was my, this, and I did that move that I love and it's like I am, they actually, somebody, somebody gave me a rap song and it goes something like, I'm Forbes Riley and it's really funny because yeah, yeah, yeah. apparently I had this badass attitude mm-hmm. of I got, I did it. I, and I'm unapologetic about it right now. Right. And I'm here to serve by showing you that I did do it. I didn't take any money from people. I didn't sleep with the wrong people to get here. Mm-hmm. I passed up a lot of things to make sure that I wrote this life on my own terms. I think so I could show some little girl or boy out there that they could too. That with enough drive, I had very little resources and very little money. Everything that you see that I created, I created Everything you see here, I created out of a dream. And I didn't know how. I still don't have any idea I did most of the stuff, but I never stopped to ask. I know that I said one day to myself, I said, I want to go skiing. I didn't have any money. I saw people ski in the movies. They always look really rich and big. I don't, I couldn't afford, didn't ever went skiing. I'm 20 something years old. And I said, I want to go skiing. And with that, I looked in the wanted ads. This is crazy true story. And there was a thing called Ski View. This guy decided to do these billboards on lift towers at ski resorts. And he wanted somebody who had an entertainer skill like I did. I had worked at Club Med. He actually said Club Med in the ad. Now, I know what the first question is going to be when I walk in the door. Do you ski? And I said, of course I do. Got that out of the way. Then I proceeded to get the job. Right. Maybe I'd never been on a pair of skis when I got the job. He said, great, I'll see you in four weeks at this location. You know what I did? I booked the next two weeks at a ski resort to learn how to ski. Don't fight for your limitations because you will achieve them. Mm, I love it, man. Words to live by. I love it. Now, you mentioned something earlier. You know, I I, I know help and I press for time. Uh, You mentioned something earlier when you were saying that you hang around a lot of like rich people and you notice one thing that they don't talk like broke folk. And I noticed when people kind of don't speak their dreams into existence or have that negative just vibe all the way around, even in the way they talk, that it comes to fruition in their life. So can you tell me a little bit about the difference between how, I guess, a rich person would speak versus a broke person that you mentioned, you know, that they speak differently? 
Think about it. Hang out with your friends and listen to what they bitch and moan about, what mm-hmm. they talk about, what they focus on. Mm-hmm. Somebody who's got a lot of money is talking about stocks, talking about assets, about cars, about, about things that they deal with. My recommendation is go read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Everybody should. If you don't know the difference between an asset and a liability, you get some money in your pocket. What do you do with it? Do you go buy that new car or do you buy that new painting? How would I want a painting for? Because it appreciates in value. If you invest in real estate, you can buy a new car. You drive it off the lot. It's already depreciated. Why would you want to do that? Mm-hmm. Start to understand money. Uh, people who've got money understand that it's, it's something to be played with. They don't save it. They use it. They invest it. They grow other people's businesses. They're always looking at ideas. See, the difference between rich people is they talk about ideas and concepts. Broke people talk about people. Well, you know, you know what he did? Or you talk about it's not big enough. Mm-hmm. You got to dream big. You got to act big. You got to big expectations. And by the way, that comes with some pretty big bills. You know, you get that big house. I'll tell you what, all of a sudden you're writing checks to the maid, to the gardener, to the pool boy. I'll tell you what, all of a sudden your bills start piling up. You better make sure that cash flow is coming. Just because you got a big house does not mean anything. Some of that right. big houses are no furniture. Do mm. you care? Do you care what somebody sees you wearing? I will never. This is not a joke. I will never buy a $1,200 pair of shoes or a $6,000 pocketbook. Never. Mm. Like my daughter just said, well, mom, but if you buy a Birkin, it increases in value. I said, okay, if that's why you'd want to buy it, but I would never take it out because me, I'd spill my lipstick and it ruin everything. Right. So... <laughs> I took a group of kids down to a sax one day. I was wearing sandals. I remember I didn't grow up with money, so I know the value of a dollar. A sandal is a sandal. There was a $1,200 pair of freaking sandals. It was the same piece of leather with a little strap and a buckle. And I'm like, you see the price tag here? This was like 29 and pay less. I, it was maybe not, who knows? I, there's no pride in sandals. I don't care what color the bottom. If the bottom of your shoe is red and you have a Louboutin, screw right. you. You know what? I want a pair of shoes that are comfortable and funky. I have a pair of shoes in there that have a little panda bear on the heel. Cutest things you've ever seen, 100 bucks. I'm very proud of that. I love funky. I love different. I'm not wearing Louis. I'm not wearing any label that is not endorsing me to wear them. Mm -hmm. I'm going to, you better pay me, little Ralph Lauren. You want me to wear your stuff? I'm like, no, a little product. Screw that. I don't want any of that. I completely am anti all of that. Mm -hmm. Take the $1,000 you spent on that little pocketbook. Buy a $100 bag and give 900 to a kid who can't eat. You tell right. me which one makes you feel better. Right. And so I remember I hung out my first job as I was a social secretary for a billionaire and I watched a lot of stuff that went on. And I remember one of my one of her friends at one point, she had a $3,500 suit. There was this place in Beverly Hills you could buy that kind of a suit. And she bought mm-hmm. like six of them. And mm-hmm. I looked at her and I said, what? Really? And she said, oh, they last forever. I got to tell you something. <laughs> I'm pretty funky. Anything that lasts forever has got to be a style that I am not interested in. Right. <laughs> so I, I don't know who the Joneses are, but I don't need to impress them. You know what impresses mm-hmm. people? A great attitude. You want to invest in something? Get some beautiful teeth if you don't have good teeth. Make sure your nails are done. Make sure that you look like money. But it isn't the kind of watch that you wear. You got to look like money with no jewelry on. Mm. Well, that's interesting. You know, how there's we, a way. How, when do, we, a how do we do that? Oh, you know what? Find somebody that you admire. Mm. See how they walk, how they talk, how they sit. I hung out with people who got a lot of money. I was very embarrassed at first. I didn't know mm. how to eat. And I'm not kidding about that. I, I didn't. I was in the car. Mrs. Grace turns to me one day and she says, Can you get Louis Vuitton out of the trunk. And I'm like, who's in the trunk? 
Okay. Right. That's pretty darn naive. And she looked at me and said, Oh, you'll learn. Mm. And I said, yeah, I will. And if what, if you want to look like money, learn. If you have to go work in the yacht club so you can hang out and watch how people are, see what you like and what you don't like, and then make up your own rules. Because I got to tell you, if you can't look like you are, have got money just from how you walk into a place, you know, the richest man in the world at West still drives a station wagon. What are your values? What do you want? Like you said, you want a billion dollars. No, I don't think you do. I think you want to know that you've earned a billion or that you've got a billion in assets. I would be careful how you'd phrase that. So, you know what? I want 100,000 apartment buildings around this country that generate money. So I know that everyone's got a place to live they can afford that's nice. If that generates a billion, that's great. But that's a little bit of a different way you say it. I want to know that through my teaching, my books, my education, that any and every entrepreneur understands how to articulate better so they can pitch to get what they want. It's a powerful dream. Make sure the words that you use affect other people in the way that you intended. No, I appreciate that. I'm definitely going to take all that into consideration. And again, you know, I'm sorry I'm keeping you over the time. Um, yeah, man. I, I, I mean, I look forward to speaking with you again. I mean, I learned a lot on this call just for me, uh, for my personal endeavors, you know, and, and if I didn't do a too good of a job explaining my mission statement for Sleepers for Billionaires, I apologize. I have so no, much no, it's not about apologizing. Let me tell you something. How old are you, my darling? 35. I got 25 years on you. Isn't that crazy? No, not yeah. crazy at all. No, no, no. But it just means I've been down the road a little bit. I, what I love is that given the platform you created that we get a one-to-one because -one, I don't do one-to-ones with people. I will for an interview. Mm. I appreciate that. But people ask me all the time to mentor them. So you got a great little education. And I will tell you, use and leverage that you've gotten me, the $2.5 billion host to go mm. get the next person to go after Bradley or Ed Milet or Grant, whoever it is that you want, go after mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. Now here's my only thought about you. Are you on an awesome. iPhone or an iPad? I'm on my laptop. All right. Take your laptop, stick it on eight books and look at me eye to eye. Yep. Yeah. Now we're having a real conversation. Right. Make sure that we look at each other. Next thing you want to do, go get a green screen and put yourself in a gorgeous house, wherever it is that you want to be. Mm. Make sure that right. you look like money, that you are branded, that you are doing everything you need to do to push that brand. No, thank you for that. Yeah, no, just that little bit of advice. I'm sure it'll make a huge difference, especially with the the quality that that you know of the show. When you hear "Sleepers for Billionaires," you know you want to see that you know gl glamorous lifestyle around you. But you know, again, you know my 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 audience is the ones that want these dreams to come true. That are seeking. And let's go get it for them. Let's go right. get it for them. Everybody has the right to get all these things. And I do got to go. I got a quick four o'clock. I'm going to give you a big hug. Thank you, my darling. Thank you, you for giving me the opportunity. TV, come hang out with me on a Sunday at my training. I adore you and I thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your time as well. I appreciate you. It's been another episode of Sleepers for Billionaires, the podcast, Johnny Vegas, Forbes Riley. Stay tuned for more episodes to come and thank you for watching. Yeah. I want to be a billionaire. I ain't getting no sleep till I see a million every week. I want to be a billionaire. I ain't getting no sleep till I see a billy every week. I want to be a billionaire. Billionaire, I want to be a billionaire. Billionaire, I want to be a billionaire. I ain't getting no sleep till I see a billy every week. I ain't gonna be a friend. I just can't handle business. Had too many